crime junkies. Welcome to Human Wreckage, the show that covers all murder cases solved and unsolved across the U.S. I'm Madison. In today's episode, we will be discussing the case of poor 12-year-old Shonda Scherer. We will review the ins and outs of the events that occurred on the day of her torturing and killing by four teenage girls, as well as discussing the devastation that this left on her family. Be sure to listen closely for all the details and hear about a sneak peek into my next episode. Starting this story off, we're going to get a little background on Shonda. In 1991, Shonda was a bubbly 12-year-old who attended Hazelwood Middle School in New Albany, Indiana. Shonda was your typical normal 12-year-old who made friends easily and enjoyed herself at school dances. But it was her love for dances that would bring her to her gruesome end in life. There was one such dance, we'll call it poorly her last dance, that set a chain of events in motion that would bring Shonda's life to a torturous ending at the hands of four teenage girls. Shonda had recently moved to Hazelwood from Kentucky with her newly divorced mother in 1991. Soon after moving to the area, Shonda had met a classmate named Amanda Hevron. They became fast friends and eventually, soon after, became romantic partners. In October of 1991, the couple attended a school dance together. At the dance, Shonda and her partner Amanda were confronted by Amanda's ex-girlfriend, 16-year-old Melinda Loveless, who had become extremely jealous of Amanda's new relationship. Melinda threatened Shonda in public and even later started talking about killing Shonda. Out of concern for Shonda's safety and feeling a need to protect her, her mother transferred her to a new school, Our Lady of Perpetual Help Catholic School. Unfortunately, in this case, the attempts to keep Shonda safe and protected would do nothing to stop the horrific events that unfolded, leading ultimately to Shonda's torturing death. On January 10th, 1992, it was a very cold winter night. Melinda reached out and called on her three friends, Lori Tackett, who was 17, Hope Rippey, 15, and Tony Lawrence, 15, to help her take revenge on Shonda for being in a relationship with her ex-girlfriend, Amanda. The four of them drove to where Shonda was staying for the weekend, visiting her father, using the pretense for their visit as they were bringing Shonda to see her girlfriend, Amanda. Shonda had naively told the girls to return after her father was asleep, and they did. The girls took Shonda into their car and proceeded to tell her that they were going to drive her to the meeting spot that they called Witch's Castle, which is an isolated and abandoned house that was a regular teenage hangout spot. In the meantime, Melinda is hiding under a blanket with a knife in the backseat of the car. The jealous lover soon jumped out from under the blanket and threatened to slit Shonda's throat if she didn't admit to stealing Amanda away from her. Shonda had attempted to respond through tears and fear for her life, but was unable to produce any sound to respond. It was at this point that Melinda had managed to convince her friends to take Shonda to a remote location where there would be no one else for miles— Up until this point, Melinda's friends still had not realized the rage Melinda was hiding and just how vindictive and gruesome she was going to be to Shonda. They assumed that Melinda was doing this just to scare Shonda into breaking up with Amanda. They had never been so wrong. After the girls arrived at the remote location, they began torturing Shonda. This torture went on for a total of seven hours and ended up ultimately killing Shonda. Shonda was first brought to a remote trash dump near a logging road in a densely forested area, virtually abandoned and invisible to passerbys. Melinda and Lori stripped Shonda naked of her clothing and proceeded to punch her repeatedly. 
Melinda then hit Shonda in the face with her knee until she bled profusely from her mouth. This whole time, Melinda's other two friends, Hope and Tony, were still in Melinda's car, unaware of the events unfolding. Despite the gruesome attack they had already laid on Shonda, the two older girls, Melinda and Lori, were not yet satisfied with the torture they had implemented. So they attempted to slit Shonda's throat, but unfortunately, the knife was too dull. This angered them further and led to a horrible rage, leaving them with the option of stabbing. Instead of slitting her throat, they repeatedly stabbed Shonda in the chest and then strangled her with a rope, ending this event by throwing her in the trunk of the car, thinking, oh, she's dead. The girls then proceeded to go to Lori's house to clean up and drink sodas, not realizing their victim Shonda, who's now screaming in the trunk of the car, was still alive. Lori immediately proceeded to stab Shonda several more times in an attempt to shut her up for good, before taking off with Melinda to beat and sodomize Shonda with a tire iron. When the two girls returned to Lori's house, Lori jokingly described everything that had happened while laughing to Hope. Finally, the next day comes. It's the early hours of the morning when the torturers arrived at a gas station and they bought a two-liter bottle of Pepsi that they immediately emptied and refilled with gasoline. They then proceeded to travel to another remote location again and haul their still alive victim, Shonda, who's now only able to whimper out, mommy, out of their trunk. Then they wrapped her in a blanket, poured gasoline on her and set poor Shonda on fire and then drove off, leaving her to die. Melinda was not satisfied without a definite answer and just to be sure her work was finished, she made the girls return a few minutes later to pour more gasoline on Shonda, watch her shrivel in agony, and finally confirm that she was officially dead. While the four girls sat at McDonald's and ate their breakfast just after killing Shonda, they laughed and compared Shonda's burnt corpse to their breakfast sausage, unaware that later that morning, two hunters would find Shonda's body. And on that same day, the same day of Shonda's brutal torture and untimely death and discovery of her body, Melinda would start talking to her ex-girlfriend, Shonda's girlfriend, and reason for her death, Amanda. Melinda ultimately told Amanda and another friend the whole story of the events that took place with the murder of Shonda, but forced them to promise to keep it a secret. But that wouldn't matter, because that night, the two younger torturers had a change of mind. Tony and Hope went straight to Jefferson County Sheriff's Office with their parents and told the entire story to officers. This resulted in all four girls being in police custody by the next day. All four of the torturers were tried as adults and accepted plea bargains to avoid the death penalty. The younger two of the four, Tony and Hope, were less involved in the torture and admitted to police everything that had happened, resulting in a lighter sentence. Tony got 20 years, while Hope got 50 years, later shortened to 35 years on appeal. Tony was released in 2000 after serving just nine years in prison, while Hope got released in 2006 after serving only 14 years. Meanwhile, Melinda and Lori had both received a 60-year sentence. Melinda, who was angry with Shonda for dating Amanda, was the ringleader behind the torture and murder, leading to her naturally receiving a longer sentence than the younger two girls that she had enlisted. But why did Lori take on so much involvement and enjoy the torture and murder of Shonda so much? Well, Lori grew up in a strict religious household. Normal teenage things were not welcome behaviors. 
She often would rebel against her parents and act out in many ways, including shaving her head and engaging in occult practices. During an interview, Lori stated, I didn't know Shonda at all. I didn't go into that evening knowing anything was going to happen, wanting anything to happen. I didn't. Peer pressure, that's all it was. It spiraled out of control way too fast. It's something that should have never happened. Lori later had an interview on Dr. Phil and explains as a convicted killer why she thinks people kill, stating, My opinion is that they kill to feel superior or high on the victim's fear and their thirst for the spill of blood. It was then at this point Dr. Phil had asked Lori's mother and sister if they agreed with her statement, and they agreed. Lori's mother disclosed that Lori believed it would be her destiny to murder someone in cold blood and spend the rest of her life in prison. Lori's prediction only became partly true, although she did have a large hand in torturing and killing Shonda, she was released from prison in January of 2018. Now, let's get into what would drive a 16-year-old girl to plan and execute such a brutal torture and murder. Shonda's mother said in an interview in 2012, I had many times said if you want to see close to a person who has absolutely nothing inside of them, look into Melinda's eyes because there's nothing there. With that being said, Melinda had a very difficult childhood. Her father, who was a Vietnam vet, would sexually abuse her and her siblings when they were younger. Experts have held her childhood trauma responsible for her anger. Later on, her father was arrested and convicted for his actions. Although Melinda thought of and played out a horrible, unforgiving act of vengeance, she seems to have found some sort of resolve in prison by working with a group in Indiana called ICANN, also known as Indiana Canine Assistance Network. Melinda seems to be helping herself by training puppies to be assistance dogs for disabled individuals. One of the breeders that supplied the puppies is a burn victim, much like the victim who didn't survive. Later on, that same breeder was able to convince Shonda's mother to watch a video of Melinda grown up and see what the program has done for her as a person. To recap the story, we'll stay short and sweet. Shonda was a bubbly, well-rounded, and well-liked 12-year-old girl who happened to move to a new place, create some friendships, and unfortunately for her, initiate a relationship with a partner that would end up ending her life, and not at the hands of her own partner, but by the hands of her partner's ex-lover. Shonda was your typical average preteen, made friends easily, and enjoyed the little things in life, like school dances and being with friends. She was clearly a very friendly person and a bit naive to her new surroundings, which would lead to her brutal torture and untimely death. This completely unsuspecting girl was fully taken advantage of by four teenage girls who beat her to the brink of death and then proceeded to light her on fire, all under the pretense of taking her to see her girlfriend. These four teenage girls, ranging from the ages of 15 to 17, falsely led Shonda to their vehicle, where they had no intentions of taking her to see her girlfriend. Instead, they brought Shonda to remote locations that were virtually abandoned and proceeded to carry out the most brutal attack, eventually leading to an ending with Shonda's death being burned alive. This story makes me sick. How can someone be so young but be so angry with a stranger that has done nothing to them directly? I am simply shocked and amazed that such a young mind came up with such a long and gruesome attack. I am glad each of them came forward and admitted to their faults. Shonda's mother deserved the peace of knowing her daughter's killers were convicted and behind bars. I find it odd that Lori got released from prison despite earning herself the same allotted sentencing time 
and carrying out just as much brutality as Melinda did. Although she wasn't the mastermind behind the whole event, she did have a large role in the outcome and engaged in this murder just as much as Melinda, who's still serving out her sentence in prison, as she should be. Thanks for joining me on this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening in on my stories, and I hope you'll return for my next episode where we will dive into more solved and unsolved murder cases across the U.S., like Hannah Trulove. Oh.